0: good morning morning. today we look at a passage of scripture that i believe can really speak to you i think it applies to everybody in the room everybody here this passage applies to Um, we're going to look at jesus encountering satan usually people go to matthew chapter 4 but we're going to look at luke chapter 4 and if you have your bibles turned there um, that would help you But our story actually begins with an act of obedience by Jesus. In Luke chapter 3, it talks about when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. Now, this has confused some people, but the passage makes it clear that for him, this was an act of righteousness. It wasn't, he was not confessing sin, but um, that he was an act of obedience, and basically saying, I am with you. Now, there's much more to say about that that would cover a number of sermons, but that's for another sermon. Um, but we see two extraordinary things happen <coughs> Excuse me, when Jesus was baptized. First, the Holy Spirit descended upon him in the, in the image of a dove. And then, secondly, the Father spoke and said, This is my Son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. So in this one instance of the baptism of Jesus... Obviously, the Son of God, Jesus, is being baptized. The Holy Spirit descends and the Father speaks. And this is a very clear um, passage talking about the, the Trinity, the three in one. Um, what a gr- there couldn't be a greater assurance that Jesus truly is the Messiah than this event. And then, then comes a time of testing. And notice there's baptism, and then in between the baptism and the testing of Jesus, here's the passage of scripture we mostly uh, skip. It's a genealogy, and it starts from um, Jesus and goes all the way back to Adam. And you might say, well, why in the world a genealogy here? Why did we need this? Um, well, because of what happens next. The genealogy is, goes back to Adam, and here we have Jesus, the first Adam, and the first Adam, did he succeed in his temptation with Satan? No, he failed. And so, having marked that out, now we see the second Adam come and be tempted by Satan as well. Um, so, the first Adam failed, the second Adam obviously succeeded. The one true Son of God now squares off against the enemy of the whole universe. And as the text reveals... It will not be a fair fight. Jesus utterly defeats the devil in every way. It's quite an encounter for Jesus. Let's let's read the passage, if you would, Luke chapter 4, 1 through 14, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all of their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Then Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. And then Satan decides to quote some scripture too. He says, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. Now, I have found in my years of pastoring that there's been two wrong assumptions about this passage. The first one, you notice it says Jesus full of the Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert. The word led there is like what I see a lot of y'all do on Sunday morning when you hold the hand of your child and bring them into church. You're, you're leading them into church. You're holding them. It's like walking across the street. You you hold that child and you lead them in, in a certain direction. And that is the picture here that in this showdown. Who does the leading it's the holy spirit he leads jesus into this showdown so it's not a happenstance it's not by accident even in his weakened physical condition jesus had the holy spirit upon him as he faced the devil this conclusively re- refutes two assumptions the first wrong assumption is that jesus agonized greatly over the temptations of jesus sort of like he was about to succumb to them because he was weak. Um, like the women's World Cup team succumbed to penalty kicks to this morning, right? Like, they could have won. Why would they kick the ball over the goal so many times? It's, well, anyhow, it wasn't close with Jesus. Oh, you, you recorded it, right? I was avoiding people all morning. They're out. (laughs) But this text does not read that way. Just like Hudson now knows for sure, (laughs) the devil tempted Jesus, but Jesus immediately defeated Satan every time he was tempted. Immediately. Um, The wilderness was true temptation, but Jesus was not agonizing he did not agonize over these opportunities to get what satan was offering in fact it was as if jesus was saying to the devil hit me with your best shot and then afterwards saying is that all you've got though physically depleted by his 40 days of fasting he brushed aside the devil like a dog would a flea just pushed it away i never forget one day i was out of baseball field uh, in Southern Pines, Little League Field, and uh, watching my children play. And um, a, uh, a woman came up to me and, and asked me a theological question. Her mother went to our church and I knew her. And so people coming up to me asking theological questions actually was not rare. But um, she said, I'm about to teach Sunday school tomorrow. I've got a question for you. And she said, I know that evil and Satan and then Jesus and goodness are sort of like the, um, you know, the dark side and the force in Star Wars, right? And I said, you could not be so wrong. There, it's not, there are not two equals. Satan and God are not equals. In fact, Satan couldn't do anything with Job without God's permission. Satan is the defeated foe. He's sort of like a cornered squirrel. He will do whatever he can, but he's cornered. He's just going to bite. That's all he's going to do. Satan is at war with with God, but he's going to lose. He's already lost. Wrong assumption number two is that the devil was in control of this whole situation. The devil prefers actually to work behind the scenes. He wants to tempt us by secondary causes. He wants us not to see him coming straight at us, but he wants to come sideways and around the back and, 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 and tempt us in certain ways that he knows we're prone to fall. Well, by going into the desert, being led by the Spirit, Jesus basically is flushing out his adversary and he's fighting face to face. Thus exposed, the devil is easily defeated by the Son of God and obviously using the Word of God. So here's a crucial principle and this is where you need to grab onto this and it will help you understand a little bit more of your spiritual life I think this is a, a key element in growing in maturity that God uses temptation to release spiritual power in your life Martin Luther remarked when he was writing about how ministers can grow spiritually. He said there has to be at least three things. One, there has to be meditation on the word of God. A minister needs to know the word. Secondly, they need to be given to prayer, obviously. So prayer and the word, you've heard that all your Christian life. But then he said, the thing, other element that's important is temptation. Because through temptation, you grow your faith. Through trials, you grow your faith. The first, um, you know, Luther means that by this temptation that we grow by facing strong temptations. And when I use the word temptation and trial, you may say you're kind of using them the same way. And guess what? It's the same word. You see, God can provide you a trial to help you grow spiritually, to put you in a situation where you must demonstrate faith to get through it. Satan kind of piggybacks on it, and takes the same trial and tries to make it a temptation because when you do not demonstrate faith you fall into temptation without faith it's impossible to please God so what could be a trial to help you grow can also be a temptation that will cause you to sin in, in whatever direction I had a professor one time that had one statement I've, I've quoted oh so many times he said a faith not tested can't be trusted might be a good thing when you interview your next pastor to ask him what is his greatest temptations because then you'll find out how he's had to grow to deal with those temptations God uses it to accomplish one thing in your life Satan wants to use it to accomplish something diametrically opposed now there's a lot of young children in this church I love coming here I love seeing the little children and um, You know, invariably, depending on what age, you know the age, I call it the bruised head stage, you know, where the kids are starting to walk and they hit the coffee table, they hit everything, and their head's always bruised. Well, you might say, what terrible parents that would allow their child to get bruised? Well, I've seen some mothers try to keep that from happening, like, I don't want you ever to hurt. Well, guess what? The child has to learn to walk. The alternative is don't let them walk is but even if you put them in a in a crib they're going to bump their head they're going to fall down right it's going to happen but you want them to grow and every time you grow i mean growing is expensive you know i had five kids paying for their uh clothes is expensive right but you want them to grow you don't want them to stay back and and sometimes in growth there are bumps and there are bruises um God allows trials for a positive purpose, but Satan tries to co-opt it for his own reasons. In our text, let me just review, who did the leading into the temptation? The Holy Spirit did. Who did the tempting? Satan, the devil. Some people say there's a contradiction there. I don't think so. Did God know what was going to happen when he sent his son into the desert? Yes, he did. He intended it from the beginning to demonstrate that his son would not yield to Satan. And that's why it's recorded in his scripture for us. Was God tempting his son? No. He allowed his son to go through the trial of temptation, but Satan was tempting. God was not. God was allowing the trial to happen. In fact, led him to it. So was God putting his son in a place where The son would be tempted by the devil? Absolutely. And guess what? He does the same thing for you, with you. He puts you in situations that are trials. We just prayed for this young man that's going to college because we know there will be trials there, right? And we are praying that he will demonstrate faith, but he's going to have the trials. How do trials become temptations? Well, suppose you lose your job. You say, could that be from God? Well, yeah, it could. Um, It could be that if you lost your job, God might have something better, a better purpose in your life. How many of you have lost a job and got a better job? Okay. I have two. He certainly wants to build character into your life. It could be that you lost your job because you fell in love with everything that job provided instead of the one who provided the job. And during that trial from God, God, Satan will tempt you when you lose your job to say, God, I don't don't think you're caring for me right now. It could be anger and despair and disappointment. Well, it can work the other way too. Let's suppose you get a great promotion and you have the highest salary you've ever had in your life, and now you're better off financially. Can that, be, that promotion be a trial from God? Absolutely. Prosperity is often a trial of, or testing when God sees how we're going to handle his blessings. Are we going to give him praise for it, or are we going to say, boy, I'm good? The author of John Steinbeck wrote a letter to the politician Adelaide Stevenson which was later published in the Washington Post in 1960. In it Spinebeck said this, a strange species we are. We can stand anything God and nature could throw at us except plenty. If I wanted to destroy a nation, I would give it too much. I would have it on its knees, miserable, greedy, and sick. Interesting conclusion. Interesting um, observation there that we tend to get weaker when we have more. I want I have, uh, this is a weird sermon because I'm a weird guy, but I have four conclusions for this sermon. And one of the four conclusions has three parts. So here we go. We're starting to conclude. Testing and trials, one conclusion, are normal in your life. Don't be surprised. They are a part of God's curriculum for you. He puts difficult choices in front of you every day so that you have an opportunity to trust him in the circumstances, in the everyday circumstances of life. Your faith becomes confirmed when you have victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil. There is nothing you can do to escape the trials in your life. Nothing. In the school of grace, God doesn't offer a no trials degree program. That's conclusion number one. Conclusion number two, a trial becomes a temptation when we respond wrongly. We all know how it feels. If you're a believer, if you've trusted Christ for your salvation, no doubt one great assurance of your salvation is this, that God convicts you when you blow it, right? That you know you have sinned. Well, basically, our sin is that we responded without faith in a trial. And then we need to repent. Encourage, be encouraged by this conviction um, and that God is involved in your life and that he's caring for you. And obviously, agree with God that when he convicts you of sin, that, that sin is your sin. Own it. Oftentimes, a trial become, can become a temptation for us, And guess what? This is real life. You have a trial, you succumb to it, okay? You fail, you sinned. Time goes by, guess what happens? The trial comes again. Maybe in a little different form, but it's almost the same trial. And you endure that and you fail. And guess what? The trial will come again a little bit later it'll keep coming God cares so much about you he's going to allow you to go through that trial over and over again you might say why do I always end up in this situation it could be that you've yet to demonstrate faith and trust God through that trial that you have come to know so well conclusion number three we often speak to unbelievers in a sermon And then we speak to growing young believers in a sermon. I want to make a comment to those of you who have known Christ for a good long time. Maybe even decades. There is a unique trial for those who have walked with Christ for a good long time. Um, Some people call it the dark night of the soul. Some people call it a wilderness experience. It's when you are truly a believer and... You come into a situation a time in life where you believe all that you've always believed but you don't sense God's presence that you feel like your prayers are just hitting the ceiling and bouncing back that you don't you're not sensing closeness with God you're reading the scripture but sometimes it just doesn't seem to jump out at you that's not a rare occasion by the way Um, There are a lot of people that have written about this over the years, but I found that it's hardly ever preached on. But this is a unique trial for those who have known him him for a long time. And I want to tell you that you're not there by accident, you are not there alone, and you won't be there forever. But it is discouraging. Do not despair. Very practically, here's some things to do, believer, if you are found yourself in this situation, stand your ground. Remember the promises of God and remind yourself. Cling to the Lord. Do not turn back to your old way of life. Do not succumb to some kind of spiritual midlife crisis. Do not give in to your emotions. This is the time when you have to lean on your brothers and sisters in Christ in the family. So that necessitates that you're, you continue to be involved in your church. When you go through a dry time, don't do it alone. It's okay. Find some people you can talk to about it and say, you know that that crazy pastor that talked about this? I think I'm going through that dark night of the soul. I need help. I need encouragement. That's a good thing. That's what the body of Christ is for. Keep attending worship. Keep listening to the preached word. Keep participating in the Lord's Supper. And you might say, wait a second. I don't feel worthy to do that. Where you don't have this because you're worthy. It's because Christ is worthy. Keep praying, keep reading the Bible so that you know how to combat the schemes of the devil. Keep going to your small group, keep moving forward, stand strong in this temptation too. Trust in God that he is with you. He who began a good work within you will continue it into the day of Christ Jesus but that doesn't mean you won't go through this kind of dark night of the soul. Last conclusion, conclusion number four. Uh, I got one story, two verses, and an application. Um, in the Denver Post, there's this story about this lady named Lexi Fowler who was a sheep rancher. And there in Montana, she was having a problem with coyotes and they kept coming, she did everything. She um, she got sprays, electric fences. She even got fake coyotes that were really big and looked big and strong to scare away the other coyotes. She slept with her lambs during the summer. She even had battery powered radios near them where she could talk and it, it, it broadcast all around the, the sheep. And, um, but this one year she lost 50 of her lambs. Then she discovered something really unique she found this ugly animal called a llama and she got the llama and put it in the flock with the sheep. And something unique about llamas. When they hear a threat, they stick their ugly head up in the air and they go straight toward the threat. Well, this freaks coyotes out. Coyotes are opportunists. They're looking for the, you know, the one on the edge. And so when somebody, when a llama the ugly llama comes right at them, they run away, which kind of betrays, this is my first verse, it kind of reminds me of uh, James 4, 7, it says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Satan w- was confronted face to face with Jesus, and he lost. And we need to resist the temptation and go straight to him. There are times, appropriate times, to simply tell the devil to go to hell, okay? There are times when we say, depart from me, leave me alone. The second verse, 1 Corinthians ten thirteen, The temptations in your life are no different than other experiences that others have experienced. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. I hate this verse in some ways. Because I want to be able to say, this temptation was so bad, there was no way... I could stand against it. But the Bible says that every temptation, this this is truth, it's just hard truth. Every temptation you come across can be withstood. You can have victory over it, but we don't always. When you're tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. I might have used this illustration before, but I... I grew up watching Bonanza as a little kid. It was one of those one nights I could stay up later and watch Bonanza. Y'all might, might have never seen Bonanza, but there was this one guy named Little Joe Cartwright. He was the youngest one. Well, Little Joe, he was a Western. Little Joe seemed like he was always getting in trouble, and people would be shooting at him. And he'd be running away. with his, He had a painted pony, and he would run away. End up, he would always be in like a box canyon. And they'd be shooting at him, and he'd be behind a rock. And they were shooting, just barely missing, you know. And I always wondered why they didn't ricochet the bullets and kill him. But it never did. And about the, about the time it looks like he's really going to be gotten, my grandmother would say, you know it wouldn't be a good show if he's not on it next week. Ruin the whole show. But, but invariably, little Joe, right when the music starts to build up, all of a sudden he finds a way out of the Box Canyon he found himself in. And he found a way of escape and was able to go home. Well, the scripture here is saying that there's no temptation that God doesn't provide a way of escape. And it's by faith, by trusting him, by doing what he's commanded. And so the application is this. Believe that God is at work in your trials. Learn the word and resist your temptations. Repent quickly when God convicts you when you blow it. Rejoice when you go through a trial with faith. I want you to think about what trial you might be facing right now and how this passage, this sermon, applies to you. What is it you're struggling with right now? And if you applied faith to it, would it look different? Uh, I've been praying for you as a church. And I know that um, this pastoral search is long, and it's a trial. There's a lot of ways you can respond. You know, I could see the pulpit committee getting at one another's nerves. You know, why aren't you on board? Why aren't you on board? I like this guy. I like that guy. You know, that could happen. Or it could be that you you go, you know, I'm tired of not having a regular preacher. I think I'm going to start going to visit another church. There's all sorts of ways you could respond to this trial you're in, but what would it look like by faith? How would God want to grow this congregation in the midst of this pastoral search? What is it God might be calling you to do that because the pastor's not here, you have more freedom by faith to be involved? 27 volunteers might be a good thing to volunteer. And by the way, there will also be a temptation when the pastor gets here. And the temptation will be, well, I'm glad he's here. I'm quitting. (laughs) I'm tired. Take over, man. Go for it. Well, that's when we need the congregation to, to join together and continue to move forward. Trials, temptations. It's a part of your curriculum, and it's for your good. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. That you win. You always win. And thank you that we're on your side. That you are our God and we are your people. Thank you all that you have promised in this scripture. Thank you that it's the word of God that calls to Satan to shut up. And Father, help us to hold on to what you value. In Jesus' name, amen.